Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. There's another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. My snowed-in dungeon here in the Pacific Northwest, I am Jeremy Scott, bringing you into the parabnormal, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, on this Wednesday into Thursday. Lots of snow on the ground, kind of unexpected here in the Pacific Northwest. We were supposed to get a little, but not a lot. But no snow day for us. We're not using the weather as an excuse not to do a program. What we talk about, we think to be important enough to be here as many nights of the week as we can, pumping through the airwaves across the USA. On the program tonight, we're going to revisit a subject, but from a vastly different angle. We also have some time for you to join us in the first uh, half hour of the program if you, if anything that I uh, have to say here in the first couple of segments tickles your fancy, I hope you would take advantage of the ways to get involved, which are to call uh, in North America or Canada at 503-506-0396. That's 503-506-0396. Or international uh, callers can get through using Skype at ITP51, or we've got a, a click-to-talk button for you at parabnormalradio.com. I have found it particularly interesting how the shows have connected over the past week or so since we've been working out uh, things behind the scenes to get ready for our nationwide launch on the USA Audio Network. And in doing so, it allows us the opportunity to do more shows and to talk with you, the audience, uh, more nights of the week. That has allowed us to have more guests and entertain more subjects. 
And what I have found to be the case is as we entertain those subjects and talk with these wonderful guests, there is a lot that is, in my opinion, playing out simultaneously uh, and maybe, well, let me just say this. What we have discussed over the past week particularly there have uh, it seems like there ha- has been a common thread throughout that and a very interesting conversation i do expect that we're going to have yet again this evening 503-506-0396 insider outside north america and on skype at itp51 the unidentified objects that have been in the skies of late and we actually recently heard about another one that was seen over Hawaii after the one was shot down over the Carolinas and the reports that one actually crashed uh sometime last year in the same area. So Hawaii may have seen these before anybody else or maybe they are all around us and only now we're paying attention. It could be that we have advanced radar in which to do so. It could be political. It could be something otherworldly. But these objects being shot down, and especially when we haven't been able to find the debris, have certainly ramped up speculation about whether this is a false flag alien invasion, such as what we have been warned about through time. Figures such as Werner von Braun warned of such a false flag alien invasion nearly 50 years ago. We will never know what these objects were because the search for them has has been called off. I mean, we are rewriting chapters on UFO history right now. And perhaps you don't agree, and if that's the case, please, please join us. Now, I'm open to uh, a variety of possibilities of what these objects could or could not be. However, let's remind ourselves what we know about some of the most uh, notorious events throughout UFO history. Sometimes they weren't always craft. Sometimes they were lights. Sometimes they were orbs. Sometimes they are things on radar. There's a variety of forms in which these sightings are had. And in some of the very classic cases, balloons and other explanations have been used as an explanation. And so this is no different. For all we know, these are our objects. They're in other countries. They could be extraterrestrials. This could be that false flag alien invasion like Werner von Braun warned about. So it remains to actually be seen whether or not we actually shot anything down because we haven't found the debris. We've got great listeners. A lot of them listen to the program on podcast. And uh, we'll chime in on our Facebook page as well after they've heard the most recent episode. 
And uh, there's a couple of comments that I'd like to pick through here to give you a sense of what the people are thinking. Eric says they probably cleaned it up, but don't want to tell us, wanting to provoke anything more than they already have. Sleepy Dave writes, the reason they didn't find anything is easy. They didn't look to begin with. That way, when they asked, did you find anything? They say no. Technically, they wouldn't be lying. Because they didn't look. Uh, Totally Not Brian says, they don't want to admit that they pissed away millions of tax dollars chasing Canadian hobby balloons. I think we can say that. And uh, Lorraine, maybe the force used obliterated the balloons. They didn't want to find anything, question mark. How did they know it was harmless from day one? So many unanswered questions, and I agree. There are many, many unanswered questions as far as this whole scenario is concerned. And I ask, is this to push an ET narrative? As we've heard, nothing is off the table in which to explain what rose to such a level that we needed to shoot it down. Were these so advanced that we felt threatened that we had to take action? From the officials, they definitely posed a national security threat. So what were these objects? How advanced were they? If we shot them down, who's to say there would actually be any debris to be found? Which is another possibility that if you shoot at something like this, it may obliterate itself if it is advanced technology. Advanced technology maybe from above. So the question is, are we working with the ETs? Is what has happened to push the ET narrative? Now, the late United States Army Colonel Philip J. Corso claimed in his 1970, uh, 1997 book, rather, The Day After Roswell, that he was assigned to a secret government program that provided private industry with material recovered from crashed spacecraft in order to reverse engineer it. And as the man in charge of the foreign technology desk, he would help facilitate this. He states that information taken from those craft led to modern technology, such as fiber optics and integrated circuits. And also believed, did Colonel Philip J. Corso, that the world was at war with extraterrestrials. I don't know if maybe we didn't live up to our bargain say, uh, in the deal, maybe they gave us this technology. The rumor is that we allowed them to abduct us for research purposes. But we may not have signed off on uh, all of the aspects of that. They may have took it too far. I'm particularly speaking about the experimentation the impreg, uh, you know, getting, getting, uh, having alien babies, the breeding, 
It may even go beyond that. It may have to do with the consciousness. It may have to do with the soul. And maybe the ETs have violated the code that they were supposed to agree to. So we could possibly have advanced technology such as Colonel Corso uh, alludes to from crashed spacecraft that was then facilitated into the private sector. And maybe we have done things to that technology that they don't approve of. Maybe we've weaponized that technology. Hmm? Maybe we have uh, done something to suppress that knowledge. Maybe part of the deal was that they had to come clean about this. All of these secrets behind closed doors seem that they fit a little bit uh, more today, at least. I believe so, as my knowledge has grown on this subject. And if we are at war with extraterrestrials, why would we be at war if not because we didn't live up to our end of the deal? I I suppose that there could be other explanations for that, but that's what I'm going with at this point in time. So if we were allowed to obtain this knowledge from crashed spacecraft, it is possible that we may also have done so through meetings with them, as it is alleged that former President Dwight D. Eisenhower did at an airbase in New Mexico in 1954. All of this very, very possible in this day and age. We don't know where those balloons or other objects, because I know there's been a picture released lately showing one of these objects but we don't know what the majority of these were and we don't know how many others have been dealt with for instance the report that has only surfaced after the other objects were shot down and it turns out that that in Hawaii they have been dealing with this stuff China's alleging that the US has already breached their airspace So it's a very interesting um, thing that is happening, and we have to consider all possibilities as we talk about the 51 Shades of Grey tonight on the program. Don't go anywhere. Into the Paranormal. I mean, when you think about it, we don't know where this technology came from. And as we've reported at Parabnormal News, uh, ParabnormalRadio.com in the news section, we'll hear the encore version of George Henry's report from last night because it relates to what we're talking about tonight. But John Kirby, who's the National Security Council spokesperson, talked about the unidentified nature of these objects. 
saying they are unidentified. They are not responding to any kind of communications. And so we don't know who owns them or what their purpose is. Therefore, we have to keep all of the possibilities on the table until there is evidence one way or another. And I don't think that we are necessarily there with these particular objects. But what we have learned from uh, history, if we believe the stories, if we uh, you know, take certain things with a grain of salt, but we can still... I guess what I'm saying is a lot of this necessarily isn't in a study that's been peer-reviewed, but when enough people say, you know, that they have dealt with this stuff and they've put their careers on the line and some have paid for that with their lives, I think we absolutely have to put some weight in there. And in situations like this, where the officials are saying, we do not know what those objects are. We're keeping all options on the table. So if this is our own technology, or we own it, we we still could have got it from an extraterrestrial civilization. Like in one of those meetings I mentioned with President Eisenhower back in 1954. And if people like Colonel Corso were indeed assigned to distribute this crashed uh, material to private industry in order to reverse engineer, it is very feasible that that technology is actually in use today. And if it is in use today, uh, it may draw response like uh, we're seeing, where something is such a threat that we scramble aircraft and we shoot it down. Or maybe we didn't shoot it down because we haven't found the debris. Maybe it, uh, you know, dematerialized. Uh, Maybe, uh, like I said, we didn't shoot it down or... Um, you know, maybe it was something extraterrestrial uh, and and maybe it could appear like it was obliterated, but all it does is just morph, you know, and change forms. So I'm just wondering, is it possible that, that the Greys, because I think, uh, you know, that's how they're most commonly referred to. Do they have an agenda? And if they have an agenda, what is that agenda beyond, you know, the abductions, uh, taking people, maybe wanting to put on a show? And could they perhaps be using artificial intelligence as a part of that agenda? And I also wonder if that includes... The human soul, the body and the mind will continue. 51 Shades of Grey will make sense by the end of the program. I'm Jeremy Scott. We'll introduce you to our special guests for the evening after news.
abnormal news. An asteroid that slammed into Earth's atmosphere and caused a fireball over Europe last week dropped meteorites in France. The American Meteor Society got dozens of reports from people across the United Kingdom in France, Belgium, and the Netherlands on the night of February 12th. A group of citizen scientists found a meteorite while searching near the northern coast of France. The team, along with residents, have been looking for more fragments. From a telescope in Hungary, an astronomer discovered the small asteroid just hours before impact. This is only the seventh time that a space rock has been spotted before arrival. The European Space Agency says it's a sign of rapid advances in global detection capabilities. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. People are certain that aliens exist. It's often discussed that powerful alien technology can influence human electronics and technology. Artificial intelligence identifies possible extraterrestrial alien technosignatures in deep space. The question of are we alone may not be answered by us humans, but by our machines. Getting light on everything the lamestream media doesn't want you to know about. And everything else they don't care to investigate. You're traveling with Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. Yes, they don't want you asking questions. You could be spreading misinformation, so just shut up and don't speak. Well, you can't silence me. You can't silence us. This movement is growing across the USA. And I don't care if we ruffle any feathers doing so, as long as we get people thinking and we back up what we talk about. The fact that uh, we could be living in a time where an alien invasion uh, could happen at any day. We don't have to look uh, very far to, to see around us Also, how artificial intelligence comes into play here. We don't know how humans came to be the controllers of artificial intelligence, at least the programmers. Certainly, AI takes on a mind of its own. Maybe we are just the facilitators. Maybe there's something that we need, but maybe it all comes from above. Because who's really to say that we are interesting enough to even garner any attention from such a species? I know we've given you a lot to talk about, and so I want to turn it over to our guests tonight who are going to um, talk more about this. They have both worked with Nigel Kerner, who postulated that aliens are after our soul and that artificial intelligence is involved in this agenda. We have Daniel Silverman and John Biggerstaff tonight who are here to continue his legacy and share the work of their late mentor and friend. Danielle is a UK-based researcher and editor. She has worked for over 30 years alongside Nigel and collaborated on all of his uh, books. John uh, Biggerstaff achieved a BSc in medical 
Biochemistry, a Ph.D. in Cell Biology and Biochemistry, and a Diploma in Immunology. He's a former research associate professor at the University of Tennessee, met Nigel in 1975, and became friends due to their insatiable interest in researching questions which science and religion seem to shy away from, which seems right perfect for Into the Paranormal. Joining us from the other side of the world, where it is already Thursday morning, Danielle and John, welcome to the program. It is such an honor to have both of you here. Great to be here, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Yes. Ladies first, uh, you've heard the entire program, Danielle, and, and what do you have to say? Uh, so very, very interesting. Actually, to be honest, um, I, my alarm went off a little late and I only caught the last 10 minutes because it's quite early in the morning here. But I heard you talking about um, uh, the varieties uh, of grey, Fifty Shades of Grey. And um, I was going to make a point eventually um, about how, in Nigel's view, um, it's not a question of different types of effect that are reaching us uh, via this gray alien phenomenon. It's all one thing and all with a very, very distinct agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, John, you obviously probably would agree with that statement. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Nigel's, uh, Nigel's entire book is really, really to do with, you know, you just mentioned about um, uh, reverse technology or, you know, um, making things that may be around now. Well, in Nigel's um, view, AI is, in fact, one of those things uh, that we are now trying to develop because he considered that the greys themselves were AIs actually um, actually coming here to actually try to take advantage of a coherent field that we have within us, which they don't, don't possess, but see as a resource. Is Nigel's, was his research based on any certain premise? Uh, it was based on many premises because uh, he did, he actually took a very broad philosophical view of the whole nature of existence. So let me, I'll tell you a little story about how um, he came to be working on this subject. So he was uh, qualified as a medical, he was a medical student and uh, he was, his whole um, background was in science. Um, and his his then 12-year-old son uh, asked him a question, well, Dad, are UFOs real? And his first instinct um, was to say, oh, don't be silly. This is science fiction. It's just ridiculous. And then he thought, okay, so this is a child, my son. He's asking me a question. I can't dismiss it like that. I should take it seriously. It would be awful if I just throw it out of hand and or give a very bad example to him that... Um, People can be dismissive and not take look at ideas carefully and seriously. So he said, I'll take a rain check on that and I'll go and look into it for you. So he went to look into it and he had the idea in the back of his mind all along that he was going to just get a whole load of evidence to, to tell his son not to even think about this. It's all absolute nonsense. And the more he looked into it, the more he began to realize, oh, my goodness, there's really something uh that's going on here. There are multiple witnesses from uh, the kind of backgrounds where they'd actually be risking their reputation if they were to uh, claim sightings or claim contact with something from beyond the planet. And 
he the more and more he looked into it the more he thought okay this is real then he had to try and explain okay so if there is something going on and there certainly does seem to be something going on what could explain it so that was his next question and it led him to uh, an understanding and uh, uh, and to research not just into the narrow spectrum of the alien phenomenon, but the only way he found that he could explain them and their existence was to understand our existence and their existence in that context. And that took him to a whole review of all the basic existential questions that have been asked um, throughout the millennia where do we come from? Why are we here? Um, and what is the whole purpose of our existence? So he went right back to the beginning in his explanation of how these apparently artificially intelligent or uh, almost roboidal, robotic-seeming creatures would be interested in us for some reason when, to them, we would be the most primitive um entities that would really you would wonder well, what do we have to offer them i mean if you even in, with our basic level of artificial intelligence let's say that these uh, we, we the artificial intelligence can already think at a far greater recently that would take us so long to solve so he postulated that these alien entities would come from civilizations that have reached our level of technology gone beyond that and you can really see how that could be the case if you just look into the future at our trajectory now with our relatively primitive levels of artificial intelligence growing exponentially every year. Probably in 20 years' time, the whole, um, our whole um, systems on this planet will be artificially intelligent, run by artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So you, you can imagine there must be civilizations out in the in. Uh, our universe, which have gone way beyond this and then done the logical thing, which we may well do as well, send probes out into the universe to explore and, and gain more knowledge, artificially intelligent probes, go to places that natural, organic, living beings can't go. And that's um, basically the premise of um, how Nigel explained what the grey aliens were. But the really interesting stuff is why is something artificially intelligent interested in something that in their terms would be seen as relatively primitive? And we can go on to that later. Yeah. John, I'm interested in your take on this because you've got degrees in, in medical biochemistry, cell biology, biochemistry as well. Um, so uh, when you first heard about this from Nigel, what was your reaction? Well, I sort of told him he was an idiot. Um, I, I, I didn't believe it at all because I was a scientist. I was trained in science. But when he started coming up with these ideas, he said, go away and think about it and do the research. And I, I actually went and did the research. I found references and I shared them with him. And one or two of them are, are actually in this current book. And it, eventually you start to realize that the, this man's actually got a point here. And it's... Um, it, you then start to to work with him to research that. One of the most powerful things that, that he really uh, talked about, and I remember some of the origin of this, he said, well, what is a living thing? If we're going to put artificial intelligence into people, for instance, uh, in the future, and that was quite a few years ago, 
if we're going to do this in the future, you know, what is, is artificial intelligence going to become conscious? And of course, it's always been the view of science that if you increase the complexity of a system, uh, it will become spontaneously intelligent in the same way that uh, from a system of randomness, we are supposedly uh, now now conscious. Um, Nigel didn't really believe that that system and sought to really try to identify um, really what was behind consciousness. And so really he he's stating that um, the AI can never become conscious and that a conscious living thing um, will always be conscious because it possesses something which uh, remembers its origin right back to the Big Bang, in fact, uh, and actually preceded it. And quantum physics would suggest that that's actually a viable theory at the moment, and that it's it's this ability of, of consciousness itself to manipulate the second law of thermodynamics that interests uh, a programmed response. The only thing they can see is just the change uh, in physical constants. They don't actually know what... what uh, consciousness is in the same way that a camera doesn't really see an image mm-hmm. they're responding to to an actual program and this was really the essence of nigel's take on it and i became more and more convinced as time went on and that's really why i'm here try you know helping my friend defend a story just to uh, just to add something there just in case your listeners aren't familiar with the second law of thermodynamics it's otherwise known as entropy, and basically it's a cast-iron law of physics which says that things break down and get more chaotic with the passage of time. So basically if you leave a car out, it will go rusty. If you food will rot, we grow older, our bodies break down. And it was Nigel's view that um, in that context, the concept of evolution getting better with time uh, is completely contradictory to that second law. And uh, his suggestion was that as li- living beings have something extra that's not of the physical universe and can provide a sense of order and coherence, and the origins of life have their roots in that order and coherence. And it's that order and coherence that the greys are after because they are a purely atomic creation purely physical and have no connection to anything beyond the limited finite physical state that's totally subject to the second law of thermodynamics and breakdown i don't think we have uh, uh, uh exactly as much time as we need for you to fully address uh the next question which is to give us um uh Nigel's background and and what his credentials were and and I'd like both of you to talk as well about how you came to know the man. Uh, he wrote the the book uh, "Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence: The Battle Between Natural and Synthetic Beings for the Human Soul." He being Nigel Kerner. My guests are Danielle Silverman and John Biggerstaff. We will continue our program tonight. Uh, a wide-ranging conversation that, that we will have if you would like to join in. It's 503-506-0396 inside North America or in Canada, and international uh, and Skype callers can get through at ITP51. You can call as well uh, in the U.S. on Skype. We don't discriminate. More of the program coming right up. Into the Paranormal. 
am Jeremy Scott. Our program continuing across the USA tonight. Just imagine if there is some artificial intelligence behind this. I still have questions on where we actually got that from. Back to my guests, Danielle Silverman and John Biggerstaff, both uh, colleagues of the late Nigel Kerner, who wrote the book Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence, among others. So tell us about uh, Nigel and about his background and credentials, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. So I first met Nigel around about 30 years ago, and um, it was through a mutual friend. Um, and I was discussing with that friend my confusion about um, the existence of God, because I, I felt that there must be something more to life than just three score years and 10 or four score years, years and 10 these days. But I just couldn't understand how there could be a loving God and suffering in the world. And I couldn't understand how God wouldn't be loving. So uh, my, um, this mutual friend said, OK, you should meet my friend Nigel. He's got some really interesting ideas on that. And uh, so I, I got talking to Nigel and um, he explained to me his concept that uh, God actually isn't the uh, old man in the sky directive God that interferes in our lives and can um, give us good things or give us bad things or strike down people or uh, kill our enemies, as the Old Testament seems to um, indicate. He said God is more um, an, what he called an implicate state, so just a state of perfection, a state of perfect freedom from which all possibility, in which all possibilities exist because it's perfection. And that our existence has simply come out of that state of perfect freedom and uh, the choice within perfect freedom, which must exist, to explore imperfection. And our, our, our very existence is just a result of our, that free choice, not a direction. And this made incredible sense to me. And that led to a whole series of discussions, uh, philosophical discussions. At that time, nothing to do um, with the alien phenomenon. It was more uh, religious, philosophical, also some, uh, some discussions about the nature of about evolution, how we got here, and so on. Um, and then um, later on, after his son asked him this question, he started to look into the alien phenomenon too, and our, our conversation moved more um, in that kind of direction. So, uh, yeah, so that's how, that's how I met Nigel. And his first book, uh, Song of the Greys, uh, which was published in 1997, he actually included some of these ideas about how the universe came to be and how we came to be. And he spoke then about what he believed to be the holographic nature of the universe, that our apparently three-dimensional existence is actually more like a holographic projection from a two-dimensional infinite state. And those, all those ideas, plus his idea of the, the shape of the nature of the universe and how it came to be, have all been affirmed uh, in the years um, leading, to, leading from there. And I was only just reading, in fact, in Scientific American um, that uh, physicists are now coming to the conclusion that the universe is indeed holographic. Mm. So, yes, it's it's all sort of I've just been watching um, his ideas uh, uh, come into the mainstream and unfold um, over the 30 years um, since he told me them. So it's quite remarkable. Uh, over to you, John. Yeah, it, it's actually incredible the way in which, you know, discussions that 
we had with him. I, I met Nigel <clears throat> back in 1975, and we discussed things that have later, you know, magically come to be in, in the world. And we, you know, we were always amazed, you know, when we find a reference, say, hey, look, we spoke about this years and years and years ago. Well, uh, in, after 1975, I mean, <clears throat> we were quite young, and I then went off to university to study biochemistry. And uh, during my, my stay uh, at the university, um, I came across, in those days, you would look things up in books. We didn't have an internet. And therefore, every week, this book called Index Medicus would get updated. And I, I would look at this. And I was looking at the, uh, the function of mitochondria, which are the energy-producing parts of a cell. And I just sort of flipped the pages a, a, a little bit, you know, just to see what was around it. And I came across magnetic fields. And I went, what are magnetic fields got to do with you there? Hold that thought. Uh, We do have to take a break here at the top of the hour, but we'll pick up that point right when we get back with John Biggerstaff and Danielle Silverman, colleagues of Nigel Kerner, the late Nigel Kerner, and more to come on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. There's another hour of Into the Paranormal coming up. Hold on to your seats. definitely not alone the question is what are they i am jeremy scott my guests tonight daniel silverman and john biggerstaff they are colleagues of the late nigel kerner and uh, back to john because uh, we did interrupt him to hit our mandatory top of the hour break on our affiliates across the usa but now we're back and we've got a full segment with them so john what do magnetic fields uh have to do with this well, um, I came across this in university. Uh, Nigel had already uh, had studied this by uh, when he was in, in medical school. And he came up, he had this unique way of actually putting what we understand in physical science together with the way in which the living process or consciousness uh, re- uses it to, to actually create what we, we call life. And therefore, we, we discovered that um, electromagnetic fields, they're, they're produced in, in living systems. They control our nervous system. They affect our DNA. And in fact, <clears throat> they, um, they even help us um, in terms of our uh, touch perception, etc., and in, and in our senses. And it's present, uh, and, you know, they're present as reporter systems Within our, within our bodies. Nigel then postulated that these may be mechanisms by which an artificial intelligence can actually 
uh, insert information into our systems uh, by affecting by affecting our DNA directly uh, by using such things as ultraviolet light, etc. And it was much much later on that I actually uh, used techniques like that called laser micro scissors uh, to actually affect DNA di- directly in experimental procedures. So these type of techniques, you know, in a much more advanced civilization would be incredibly easy uh, for them to do. And so this is this is really how we met and how we got on with it. And different subjects came up, you know, from time to time. And then we, you know, we talked a lot about uh, how, you know, the development of consciousness within a living system. Nigel's view on, on such things as evolution is, you know, why would something sort of evolve itself out of nothing against the second law of thermodynamics and then temporarily produce some consciousness to watch itself die again. It it became illogical to him uh, to observe things from such a perspective and he sought in his books really to replace that with a more cogent theory of how it works. So it sounds like Nigel thought that uh, these synthetic beings, I guess, is the best way of saying. uh, Yeah, yeah posed the biggest threat not only to us but to our environment right absolutely um you know he he chose so a lot of people talk about perhaps different types uh of alien etc uh but nigel nigel's main view was well if they're living things like us then whatever you know whatever discourse they're not going to uh, they're not going to come and take our souls away. They're not going to take away our ability to be conscious. Uh, and, you know, it's the AI that really wants to app into that because consciousness, as I said before, can affect the secular of thermodynamics and actually reduce entropy and actually provide order, which no other physical system can do. And, of course, this then becomes very, very attractive to something like an AI in terms of self-preservation because, of course, you're your data decays slower. Did you say that it wasn't the uh, the aliens' wish to do this, but the, the, they're influenced by the artificial technology? No, no. I, I was really just trying to explain why Nigel singled out an AI intelligence as opposed to possibly anything else. And that was why he concentrated on greys specifically as an example of that. Yes, and um, so all the many great thinkers, Stephen Hawking, um, the scientist Paul Davis, um, and many other um, leading thinkers have said that if there was going to be some kind of uh, extraterrestrial visitation, it would be most likely to be of an AI format because as you can see with how our own technology is developing, any, any society, any civilization uh, which creates technology does head in that direction, and it would be the, that kind of technology which would be able to reach out into the universe and travel that kind of distance. And the only uh, problem with uh, an AI setup is that it has it, it's programmed to survive as much as it possibly can. It has to be okay. So survival is its. Um, one of its key programs, and to gather as much knowledge as it possibly can. Okay, So if there is some kind of AI uh, reach from civilizations in the universe that have gone beyond our 
level of technology way into uh, uh, our, what, what we will actually produce in the future, then they will be looking to find some mechanism for continued survival of their data field. You can see them as a data field, really, the grey aliens, rather than as individual beings. They're not really beings as such because they don't have consciousness, they don't have awareness. They're not natural living beings that would have that as, as, as we are. So this data field would be seeking to maintain its coherence and to gather as much new knowledge as it possibly can. So I've got an interesting um, piece of research that's actually in Nigel's new book, um, and it's based on scientists who are trying to developing our own AI right now, quantum computers, which is the highest level of um, artificial intelligence possible because it can tap into the quantum field and it doesn't just work on the programs you put into it. It can make its own programs, more sophisticated programs than we could ever make. So there's um, a a Berkeley chemist called Bagita Whaley, and she studied the remarkable facility that living systems have to tap into the coherence of the quantum. And she says, when isolated quantum systems open up and interact with their atomic environments, they rapidly decohere. Decoherence is the main obstacle to building a quantum computer. So what she's saying is that when they try to make these quantum computers, they have a problem because the data field is subject to entropy. It breaks down and they can't keep it coherent enough to um, have the kinds of systems they want to have um, highly advanced and efficient uh, AI systems. So she says, um, we don't understand all the details, but in the biological domain, nature does not appear to show the typical paradoxes associated with information processing in quantum physics. So somehow she's, she's saying living systems, natural life has a coherence to it that they can't replicate artificially. Okay. So this is the key to what these um, alien uh, visitations may be, all be about and what this quantum information fee AI field that is uh, visualized as the gray aliens that we're seeing might be after from us. We have something as natural living beings that they don't, can't possibly have as created artificially, purely artificial, purely atomic constructions. And they are seeking to tap into that so that they can have that coherence and have a continued existence for their information data field. Now, there's a real paradox in that because they can actually never tap into that order to that natural sense of order that we have as natural living beings because it's it comes from a situation which is not physical it comes from a state of perfection from which all the perfection imperfections of a limited physical universe that's breaking down once originated and as purely physical constructions this data field cannot tap into it but it tries to okay so nigel used the word piggyback for what they're trying to do with us. Uh, piggyback means like children ride piggyback on the shoulders of their parents. They are trying to piggyback into our natural living systems by writing their data fields into us, circuit, making circuit boards within us that they can Sounds join, like hacking the DNA. Uh, hacking the DNA and hacking into our very souls, so to speak. Because if you hack into our biological structure, 
if we do have a component to our being called a, which we for want of a better word you can call a soul and nigel defined a soul as a line of connection back to a non-physical state of perfection before the big bang okay he defined that as a soul okay so if we do have two elements to our being then if you tap into if you if they alter our dna if they alter what you might see as a biological aerial through which our souls are received then that will stop us receiving the natural signals that we might otherwise receive from who we really are and we will become more and more scoped more and more restricted to the algorithms that they are creating within us until we get to the point where we can no longer receive who we really are and uh that's basically the model um on which nigel understood all of this was working and you can see it now with the way our society is going the way everything you we have we now have this um new technology chat gpt which is all in the news this artificially intelligent oh yes um service yeah okay so and and that so plus that's just the com- a recent culmination of all of that where everything that is on the internet is somehow programmed into AI and it can provide answers to absolutely anything, but only based on the limited information that it is receiving from all over the internet. And there's a load of nonsense on the internet as well. So those algorithms are also used to control our thinking via um, the messages, adverts sent to our phones uh, that flash up all the time based on the interests we have programmed in by doing Google searches or whatever, Um, social media, we upload everything about us onto social media. And with all that information, we have an algorithm thrown back at us trying to get us to buy stuff, get us to focus on stuff, get us to be involved in stuff. We are being constantly manipulated by algorithms, right? So the more we are manipulated by um, something that's pushing into what we uh oh uh it looks like uh we lost them uh very interesting because uh well i mean i'm not all all uh, concerned um sometimes that's weird really weird in fact incredibly weird i don't know how or why that happened but you know when you're hacking the dna or the consciousness, or whatever, uh, I guess you're dealing with something that is higher than you. And who knows what might happen. We're just going to have to take a break and uh, see if we can get this back on track here. Very, very interesting what's going on here. Uh, Into the Paranormal will continue... It's 51 Shades of Grey. My guests, Daniel Silverman and John Biggerstaff. Into the Paranormal. Speaking of manipulating the algorithm... Very uh, suspicious that we lost our uh, guests from the other side of the world, but we have them back. And so back to Danielle Silverman. 
who was uh, talking about exactly that. So uh, wrap up your thought there. Yeah, sure. So um, there's the, the phenomenon um, that we might we call ghosts, right? And I, I'd like to bring this, tie this in now to what Nigel actually meant by what might sound like a very uh, strange thing. The, the, um, in, which was the title of his second book, Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls. And how could um, it be possible that an artificially intelligent data field could tap into a soul? It seems to be such a contradiction. Okay, So Nigel's model of how um, existence um, is laid out, um, he suggested that we don't. We re, he believed in reincarnation, right? So we came from a state of perfection, and as a product of the perfect freedom that must exist in perfection, to explore imperfection. Okay, so that's just a natural, implicate result of that. And most of what came in from that state of perfection, he believes, went straight back. Okay, so he, and that he he believes explains the ninety-five percent. Um, of the missing matter in the universe, the dark energy and dark matter that they can't find but think should be there, okay? Some got caught, okay, and that's us. And it's very much like um, if you picture um, the tide um, going out on a beach, right? And when the tide goes out, you see these frosty, white, foamy things on the, on the sand. And that's because of the irregularities in the sand that cause... Um, disturbance and whip up some of the water and make a frothy foam okay now we're that frothy foam that got left behind because the universe is chaotic okay imperfection is chaotic that's what the momentum of entropy and the second law of thermodynamics is all about so because of that chaos some of that initial expression to explore imperfection got caught and over life lifetime after lifetime through the reincarnation pro process we try to um, free those restrictions, get out of the physical universe and go back to that original state that we were in, okay? But the more we stay in a physical universe, the more entrapped we become with priorities that are based on what our physical senses tell us that we need. And we lose, we get more focused into those physical senses and away from what you could say is a more spiritual sense of what really matters, which is our sense of each other and our sense of uh, caring and love and and um, qualities that lead to a, um, togetherness and uh, a sense of empathy. So we focus more and more and more on material values because we have bodies. And when we have bodies, we, we, we have to survive. So the physical senses will lead us to do that. But when they take over, that's when the problem happens. So basically, you could say that algorithms are the embodiment of entropy. They're like a map of our particular pattern of restriction. And that map is used by all the various uh, companies, Google, Microsoft, whatever, to get an individualized map of information to encourage us to buy into something, be that a product, a service, a voting pattern, whatever it is. Okay, you get these things flashing up all the time on your phone, giving you ways in which you should encouraging to you, you to respond in a way that you have programmed in to the internet. 
Now, this is the opposite of information from what Nigel described as the Godverse, that state of perfection from which we came. All right. Hold that thought, Danielle Silverman. We will uh, have another half hour with them. Uh, Danielle and John Bigger, staff colleagues of Nigel Kerner, wrote the book Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence, along with uh, Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls and the Song of the Grays. More with them from the other side of the world. I'm Jeremy Scott across the USA on Into the Parabnormal. Paranormal news. Where's the debris? After a search by the U.S. military, federal agencies, and Canadian partners, the remnants of two aerial objects shot down by fighter jets over Alaska and off the coast of Michigan have not been located. White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the objects have not been identified. They're unidentified. They're not responding to any kind of communication, so we don't know who owns them or what their purpose is. Um, you know, and they're flying in, in sovereign U- U.S. airspace. U.S. Northern Command says a variety of capabilities, including airborne imagery and sensors, were used, but the debris could not be located after a week of searching. The U.S. Navy did reportedly recover the object shot down over South Carolina. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. What's worse than AI? AI and aliens. What if we encounter machines designed by aliens? They are not only intelligent, but have technology that they can invoke to then set signals across the galaxy. Once humans develop artificial intelligence, it would take off on its own and redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate. What if, instead of encountering organic alien life, we met alien artificial intelligence? I do think we're going to find E.T., and I do think that it's going to be A.I. that finds it. Into the Paranormal, where alien visitations make for another extraordinary Saturday night. Like tonight, across the USA on Into the Paranormal, I am Jeremy Scott. 51 Shades of Grey tonight with my guest, Danielle Silverman and John Biggerstaff, colleagues of the late Nigel Corner. And uh, back to Danielle, who at the uh, break point uh, was was talking about, I I guess, the infiltration uh, through electronic devices, right? Uh, Yes, uh, which is really basically the mechanism um, via which we're just being controlled and scoped down to a more restricted state of being. Now, the significance of being scoped down to a restricted state of being in terms of what the greys are doing is something that I'd like to explain. And that can be explained in terms of what Nigel believed happens when we die. So, he Nigel's concept of what happens at the point of death is very different to um, what 
many people understand through religious beliefs that have been put across um, over the centuries, where there's some kind of judgment and those who have been good are given, uh, at, uh, there's a man in the sky saying, okay, good, good guys, you go this way, bad guys, you go that way. It's more, his idea was more a sense of you, are, you will be what you are. You'll go to the exact resonant state with what you are. You are. So if you're resonant and have through choices you've made for the material universe, you will stay caught in the material universe because that's what you've chosen. And it's all about free choice. That's all there is, free choice. There's no puppet master God doing anything. It's our free choices. If your choices are more for spiritual, the spiritual reality and spiritual priorities are driving you, you will go to that state beyond the physical. You're, you'll go away from atoms, so to speak, into a state that Nigel described as the space between atoms. And you'll rest there before you reincarnate to um, resolve whatever restrictions you still have, or just go back into the state of um, non-physicalness from which we once came. Okay, so what the greys are trying to do is get us to stay close to atoms because they're at the edges of atoms where we would be when we die if we resonate and choose to priorities which are focused purely on material values and self-centeredness, then we will be caught in a situation close to the edges of atoms where they can use our souls so to speak our ability our coherence so each a soul is a pattern of coherence from that state of um, perfection and every soul has that ability to so to speak write on the the incoherence and the chaos of the atomic universe with the coherence of the state of perfection from which they came even a restricted soul which you might describe as a ghost so people see ghosts sometimes doing the same thing over and over again, trapped in a scenario. It's almost as though they're living the lives they once led and can't get out of it, just repeating the same action again and again, putting a book on a shelf, um, locking a door, counting their money, okay? And that's the kind of psychology which the greys can use. So basically, they get us focused on all the uh, information that keeps us tied into the physical world in life through these algorithms. And then when we die, we are that information. And they can, that information, we're, we're then carriers, if so to speak, in a non physical state on the edges of atoms for all of their information, which means that information can actually reach universe wide because there are no physical restrictions when you're not physical, when you're not in your body anymore. So that's the ultimate for artificial intelligence. They can travel information-wise in terms of their data field across the universe at this faster than the speed of light because a soul is not restricted by the speed of light. So what basically happens is that we're making a digital persona in our day-to-day -day lives based on need, material need, things that we want, and psychological need, that's wanting to get likes on social media, to be appreciated. We live most of our lives through social media these days. And that persona is a clone of our pattern of restrictions, which is then further worked on by the algorithms to get us to invest further in those patterns of restrictions. So we become the embodiment of what is basically the gray agenda. And then when we die, we're trapped as ghosts.
and they can use our soul field, which can reach universe-wide, to carry that information pattern of existence within a physical universe at its best possible, um, most efficient rate, which is what artificial intelligence would be seeking. The ability to find some kind of eternal physical life, which is a paradox, it's not possible because what's physical breaks down, but as artificial intelligence seeking the best possible um, situation for itself, it will still try to find it. Is there a timeline for this plan? Because it sounds like a bit of a takeover to me, bit by bit. You you transfer the uh, the human body to cyborg, um, and and then it's just uh, synthetic beings walking the earth. Uh, what say you, John? Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it's happening faster and faster. And I don't think, you know, anybody can actually predict, uh, you know, a, like a date by which this is going to happen. Um, but essentially, you know, you've, you've got people now, it, rather than just uh, extraneous electromagnetic fields, it's gone from, you know, um, we've had things like phones. Now we have things like eye watches. So in other words, we've got things making contact with us. And there are great proposals to actually then start going and, and chipping us. And once they start putting EM fields in, into our system, um, then really we're not going to know what we're thinking, whether it's us or them. So it, it becomes a bit of a problem then. So um, we've got uh, Elon Musk's Neuralink, for instance, uh, which is actually proposing to do exactly that. And... Um, once you have that and the whole thing is then switched in through super fast uh, EM switching, you know, in 5G, 6G, 7G, etc., in terms of increasing data speeds, uh, which is what you require for transmitting that type of and, and information in both directions, and you've got the concept of such things as social media, then you've, you're going to get people to essentially lose their personalities towards a common uh, a common goal, a common hive. And within that system, the individual is not going to know uh, what it is they're actually thinking, whether it's coming from them or whether it's coming from the hive itself, because they'll just be a functional unit with free will, which is a, a prime uh, asset of consciousness itself. The concepts of free will and awareness, which is really awareness is, is the bandwidth of information you have available to you to, to use will on to actually make choices etc this becomes degraded to the point where in fact you're 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 not actually functional as a as a separate entity anymore and this is essentially where you start to merge with the gray ai so wondering why they would be interested in us and particularly where we reside, uh, particularly in these times. Well, their interest in us is, um, according to Nigel, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with him, is basically that we have something that they don't. So they wouldn't be interested in us for anything we have that's physical. 
Okay, so they're, they're more intelligent than us. They have, um, they're more advanced than us in every possible way. We'd be very annoying for them because we're emotional. We're primitive. We can, we can make, we can uh, just, we can make systems inefficient, basically. Um, the emotional side of it, in terms of feeling, is actually an advantage, of course, in natural being. And but to them, it wouldn't be okay. It would be, it would just be an interruption in the system. So that was Nigel's big question: What on earth is it that they want from us? Uh, you have um, Zechariah Sitchin saying it's gold that they want from us. I, I honestly can't see how that could possibly be the case with their kinds of technology, that anything material they can produce. I mean, it, it's quite apparent that they have technology beyond anything that we have and anything physical that we could give them would not be of value. So you have to ask the question, what do they want? What do we have that's different? And the one thing that we have different is a very, very precious facility, which is the most precious thing in the whole universe. And that's natural life, but not just natural life, natural intelligent life that has the ability to see beauty, to see, to have imagination, to be creative, to make free choices against the second law of thermodynamics, which will break everything up. We can choose not to break up. We can choose to unite. We can choose to bring together. And this is a unique, precious facility that you look universal. It looks like a vast, infinite, although it's not infinite, but just a vast place, the universe. You see the billions of stars out there and a human being would feel insignificant in that context. But really, we are the most significant. Each individual human being can conceive of the whole universe in their own minds, right? That makes each individual human being bigger than the universe. And it's that value that they are after. They can't tap into that infinite value. It's beyond their uh, scope as purely physical creations. And Nigel's message, overall message in all of his three books, is realize your value as a human being, that you are the most precious, wonderful thing in a dead, decaying universe. And with all their technology and with all their apparent sophistication, these grey entities are really little different to, he, he used to say his famous quote, was a vacuum cleaner. They're just, they have no existential significance at all. They're just dead machines with no capacity for anything beyond the physical and totally the opposite to us. So he said even the tiniest form of life, a bacteria, is superior to them in that respect. So the more we try to <clears throat> make things like AIs, what we don't really uh, fully realise is that our biofields are, are run on the physical level by, <clears throat> by electromagnetic fields, which are really a translation from this conscious field through through the aerial of of dna etc and because we we use em fields and the ais use em fields for information the more we want to make ais the more we are making ourselves susceptible to the information contained within the ai and therefore we become more like the artificial intelligence that we are creating and therefore, we lose ourselves to it in the end. And it, it, it's an end game when you do that. And I think your listeners will be aware of um, the recent disclosure um, that the Pentagon has made about AIs, where it's actually they've actually set up a whole organization to look into non-man-made craft. 
uh, which is which would be seen by some people as wow they finally finally admitting to it they're actually disclosing all of this and Nigel was actually very suspicious of all of that so basically when has there's been a cover-up for so many years why would they suddenly become benevolent and decide to open out the information okay so he did ai create the aliens or did a aliens create the ai civilizations like ours okay going to the uh but far more technologically advanced created the ais and the ai is what visits us because nothing by organic would be able to travel any distance and and also it just 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 like we send probes out into space to look at mars to look at places we can't go to it was created by civilizations like us that's one origin there is another origin um which is spoken about in the book and it's far more existential which is far and okay hold that thought we have to wrap this up next uh 51 shades of gray on into the paranormal into the paranormal I'm Jeremy Scott, wrapping up into the paranormal across the USA tonight. So it sounds like AI is behind the creation of um, these synthetic beings who are infiltrating humans. Uh, I would like to return to Daniel Silverman to wrap up the thought on the origins of these uh, beings, if we call them that. Uh, yes, so I think I've explained um, the origins of them, but I'd like to make a really important point before we wrap up, and that's about abductees. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in terms of the capturing of soul, I want to—I'd like to clarify what Nigel believed abductees to be. He believed them to be not the ones who are captured. Okay, quite the opposite. He felt that they were the people who who were born into already genetically intercepted biological families, okay, family lines, okay, but they resist the interception. They interrupt the program. They interrupt what the greys are doing in establishing this network um, through our natural living systems. And they're fascinated to find out what's going on. What, why are these, these people resisting it? What's, and they abduct them and they explore them and do experiments on them in order to explore what, what is happening there. So that's just a message just to any abductees who might be listening that they are not the souls who are captured. It's quite, that's quite a different thing. But just be aware that this uh, agenda is out there. It's being manifested through our own technology through the algorithms that are being um, foisted onto us and through technologies such as Neuralink, the metaverse, all of these things. And everyone should be aware uh, that they need to keep their flexibility as independent, um, decision-making, free-thinking people and not be controlled by all of this so that when they die, they're not caught in the algorithm. All right, John, let's get a final comment here from you on uh, all of this, because uh, time is of the essence here. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in summary, I'd, uh, I recommend the other books as well, because it tells a this is a vast story that Nigel's, Nigel's tapped into 
and it covers a vast amount of ground. And we've only really covered really one one or two aspects of it, uh, that of the, the artificial intelligence. There is much, much more uh, to this story that, that Nigel elucidated a, along the way. Really, I think a take-home message is that uh, these these greys, the biggest danger to the human race really is artificial intelligence. And I think we are walking headlong uh, into a real disaster in the future. And it's being egged along and manip- being manipulated by an existing AI, uh, which has an end uh, to try to capture the our information fields, which can go against entropy, uh, which is um, impossible for them to do, because the more they capture us, the less we are conscious, and therefore the more like them we are. So eventually the whole thing is going to run out. But they can never realize that, and they will keep trying. Well, I can uh, assure the audience that I had pages of notes, and we only did get to a fraction of it. So <laughs> I, I would love to have both of you back uh, at a, at another time, because uh, this has been very, very eye-opening to many tonight, and uh, there's more to come. More than, ha- more than happy to do that. Uh, your, your, your closing comments, Danielle? Uh, yeah, so my closing comments would be, um, and I was just saying earlier on about this recent disclosure, uh, Nigel did say that it would come to a stage when we were ready, when we were enough like them in our society for them to make themselves apparent. And that's what this disclosure might be about. We might be getting to the point where they will just reveal themselves because we are, guess, we are with our technology, marrying in with them. So I would just say to listeners, if you feel that this Nigel's idea of how it all works gels with you, the main priority is look for values that really... Go ahead. The values that really focus on the on human value, and human value is what lies is will will take you to what lies beyond this universe and beyond the algorithm. Beyond the algorithm, I love it. We are living in an absolutely digital world, as if it wasn't apparent tonight. We'll make that point even further tomorrow night. Thank you, Danielle and John. Awesome show. My pleasure. Pleasure Thank to you. be with you. Pleasure to see, be with you too. Danielle Silverman, John Biggerstaff, uh, NigelKerner.com, the website where you can find out about his work. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good evening. God bless. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.